Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. It may look like something straight out of Westeros on Game of Thrones, but the beautifully undulating lines that characterize Damascus Steel have more earthly origins. And if its appearance is striking, it's the physical benefits of this type of steel that made it so sought after in its heyday. Prized for centuries, Damascus steel lost prominence by the 18th century, but today it's made a resurgence. So what is this mythical steel? Let's start with some basics. Steel is an alloy made from iron and carbon, but mostly iron. The challenge for ancient metalsmiths was to create steel that was both flexible and strong. Early sword makers didn't know how to precisely compose steel. They were working with iron ore, not pure iron. Iron ores are rocks and minerals that contain varying amounts of iron plus other stuff. When they melted these ores, they got what they got. Eventually, they discovered that certain ores produced one property and others produced different properties. Some ores imparted flexible material and others strong. We spoke with iron master Per Yarbelius, whose name I did look up. I couldn't find it. I hope I didn't muck it up too badly. Uh, he's an engineer and metallurgist with Damasteel, a manufacturer of steel produced in centuries-old mills in Sweden. He explained, Damascus is when you combine these steels into one forging. You take the flexible and you take the strong and you forge them together. This layered forging method yields what is known as pattern-welded Damascus, and this is the type of Damascus still made today. However, centuries ago, it was known as Wootz steel, and it was some of the finest steel in the world. It was first produced in what's now India from an iron ore with a high level of carbon, about 1.5%, and additional trace elements, according to a 1998 study published in the Journal of Electronic Materials. The ingots, or cakes, of steel from what's now India were sent to the city of Damascus in what's now Syria, where they were made into swords. These also had beautiful surface patterns and were lauded for their superior physical ability. In the early centuries of Damascus steel, its most common use was for weapons, which accounts for why it was so prized. Swords were difficult to make because they're long and slender. The best steel was required to make them stable and flexible. Early Damascus steel solved a similar problem encountered in making long guns, too, considering their narrow, long shapes. By the 1600s, pattern-welded Damascus steel was used to make gun barrels in what's now Turkey. The practice spread through Europe and was popular in the British Isles during the 1800s. But in the early 1900s, production stopped when the Belgium city of Liège, which had produced 850 tons worth of Damascus barrels, fell to the invading German army in World War I. Although Damascus steel was named after the Syrian city, it was most likely developed in several locations. Some version of Damascus steel has been produced for centuries everywhere from Indonesia to the Middle East. And Damascus isn't one specific formula. Yarbelius explained, there are different traditions from different countries or different regions. The authors of that study that was published in the Journal of Electronic Materials noted that both pattern-welded and Wootz Damascus were being produced by the 6th century. And not only were weapons made from these steels lightweight and strong, but they were also said to stay sharp even after being used in battle. It was even said that blades made of Wootz steel could cut through a silk scarf as it fell. But the formula for Wootz Damascus has been lost to history. 
By the early 19th century, it was no longer being produced, possibly in part because the metalsmiths who made it kept some of the process secret, and possibly because the special combination of ores dried up. By the late 1800s, modern metallurgy had improved the quality of steel. Even the pattern-welded Damascus created at the time became obsolete and got a bad reputation. Modern refined steel simply worked better than its forebears, and today, the function of Damascus steel plays second fiddle to its good looks. As modern metallurgy techniques improved, so have modern versions of Damascus steel. However, modern buyers still seek out Damascus steel for its appearance. After all, when it comes to swords and knives, their medieval purposes are no longer such a factor. Yarbelius said, You've got aesthetics as a byproduct in ancient days. Today, we make similar patterns to what was produced in ancient days, but the steel technology has moved so much further. There are various methods for making Damascus steel today. Some artists create a limited run of an individually designed piece of steel. Other steelmakers are interested in higher volume production and repetition of specific patterns, which they can achieve through processes like powder metallurgy, in which you use relatively pure metals that have been broken down into powder form. This is different from conventional steelmaking, in which you forge unique solid pieces together. Instead, you can use powder metallurgy to create a recipe for a pattern and recreate it as desired. It's still difficult to work. Some patterns are trade secrets, and others are just difficult to replicate. There are similar patterns that multiple blacksmiths make, although they might have different names on the market. As of the 21st century, Damascus steelmakers are not forging many swords. Nevertheless, the material has wide usage. Because it takes more work and craftsmanship to produce, Damascus steel comes with a higher price tag than traditional non-patterned steel. You'll find jewelry, watches, spoons, belt buckles, razors, flashlights, and pens made of Damascus steel. And, of course, in the tradition of its earliest use, Damascus steel is still popular for knives, from pocket knives to high-end kitchen knives. Today's episode was written by Carrie Whitney and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other sharp topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.